Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. So this uh, sermon is going to be a continuation of what I preached last time. Um, I taught on isolation last time. And so this is what I was going to preach. You know, last time I stopped in the middle of the message and said, we don't need to go any further. So I felt like we could finish it this week. But just to do a quick review um, from the things that I taught on, I think it was about a month ago. But we were created in the image of God, which means we were created for connection. We were created with uh, that design or that DNA woven into us. So we were created for connection with God and with man, partnership with God and man, intimacy with God and man. And even from the very beginning in Genesis, God makes it clear that it's not good for man to be alone. You see, Adam had plenty of things to do. He had purpose to fill his life, and yet God considered him alone with all those things to do. And so sometimes we get in a place where I'm just going to do what God's called me in a practical sense, and I'm going to forsake connection. But even with all that, Adam, he was still alone. But you could also look at this too. Adam had complete, unlimited access to the presence of God. And yet, God said he was still alone. Not going to preach this sermon again. But in Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So it's not only our connection with God that matures us and makes us healthy, full of love and fulfilling destiny. It's our interaction and connection with his body, quote unquote, imperfect people. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Well, that's not fair. Well, that's how he designed it. <laughs> and if you think about it, how can you really fulfill the, the process or being completed in love without imperfect people? Okay, no one wanted to hear that one. Let's just move right on from that one. So if you want to hear the rest of that sermon, you can go and find it on a podcast or you can go to our website and uh, the sermon is called God's Plan for Connection. So today I'm going to talk about covenant connection or covenantal connections. So my purpose in this is, so my purpose in talking about this is how do we recognize when we have a covenantal relationship and how do we then align with it? Because the truth is, 
the truth is that not every relationship is a covenantal relationship. So I want to talk about how you can recognize it and then align with it. Okay? Sounds exciting, doesn't it? So first I want to talk about what does covenant mean? Covenant is both a noun and a verb. And this is actually good because my kids are learning this now. And something that they were learning actually helped with this because I, I always thought that a noun was just a, a person, place, or thing. How many of you remember that from school? Person, place, or thing. But it's also, it can be an idea. Ah, I was like, well, that, that would be great for my sermon. Thank you very much. So, and they call it an abstract noun, but it can be defined as a plan or a thought, an impression, an opinion, a feeling, an aim, a purpose of something. So when we say we're entering into covenant, what we're doing is saying, hey, guys, this is the target of what we're aiming at, right? This is the target. The target. Now, as a person, place, or thing, it's actually a contract or an agreement, right? But as an, as an idea, we're saying, listen, this is what we're shooting for. This is what we're aiming for. So our goal for covenant or our target or our aim for this house is to be a healthy body. Yeah. On the individual level, that means you, right? And collectively, that means us together. That means that we do life well, that we care for one another, that we communicate effectively, and we communicate in love. So in the most basic sense, our covenantal promise in this house is being committed to the exchange of healthy life. And I'll talk about it later, but how we do that is we receive from the source and then we freely give it to those around us. And then you receive from the source and then you freely give it. And so it's this two-way thing of exchanging life between one another. So the purpose of covenant is simple. Covenant is a mutually bonding agreement, a mutual commitment between parties that contains both responsibilities as well as benefits. What do you mean by binding? God came to set us free. <laughs> well, have you ever given your word to someone and then you're like, man, I wish I did do that. <laughs> and then you're like, well, I gave my word, so I'm going to do it. Why? Because you were bound by your integrity. You were bound by your word. And so when our target is exchanging healthy life, when you're here, you're committed to that aim and to that purpose. So we're bound by that promise. And to be honest, most of society doesn't get that, right? That idea is foreign. And most people want the benefits of something without the responsibilities of it. But we're not that type of people, are we? For covenant to be effective, you need to have communication and understanding. How can you be in agreement if there isn't understanding? 
And I hear a lot of people in, in the church world talk about, you need a spiritual father, right? You need to have mentors. You need to have community. You need to have family. And I agree with all these things. But for my analytical brain or my uh, assessing brain, I think, okay, what, well, what does that mean? What does that involve? So, okay, you want a spiritual father. What are my responsibilities? And what are your responsibilities? What are my responsibilities as a spiritual father? But what are your responsibilities as a spiritual son? We don't think about that. We're like, I want 20 fathers. You want to be my father? Well, you are my father. You want to be my father? <laughs> You're my real father. You're just like a father to me. <sighs> Another thing I think is, what cost do you and I need to pay to make this a healthy, fruitful relationship? When we say we're in a church family, well, what does that mean? What, re what responsibilities are required? And so I'm going to talk about this today. Many times relationships fail because there's a lack of communication and understanding. A lot of times when I hear people say, well, that just didn't go very well. And it always ends up with, I thought this was going to happen. I thought you were going to do this. I was expecting it. Well, did you tell them? No. No, I didn't tell them. So in order for us to be in agreement, we have to have communication. And from that communication, there needs to be understanding. So I understand that not every relationship you have will be a covenantal relationship. It's not like when you're driving down the street and someone cuts you off and say, hey, we need to communicate. Let's work this thing out. Right? If you did, well, just protect yourself. <laughs> so, but the, the truth is we're also in relationships where we're giving without expecting anything. Right? But how many of you know what those relationships are? Right? I mean, when you think about it, your kids are kind of like that. <laughs> you know, when you change your diaper, they're not like, thank you so much. <laughs> I so appreciate that. So there's going to be relationships in your life where, yeah, it is kind of one-sided for a little bit, right? But we're a mature people, right? <laughs> or that's the goal. I would say that most relationships aren't covenantal. But if you're planning on going somewhere or accomplish something together, mm -hmm. you need an agreement. Yeah. You know, there might be people at your work, hey, John, how's it going? And you have the best conversations for about two minutes every day. That, that might be all it ever is. And God can use you in those moments. But the truth is, we, he's also called us to have deeper connections where we're saying this is our target this is where we're going and we're going to work together to see this accomplished yeah. remember adam had plenty of things to do but he was still alone until god made eve and until there was partnership amos 3 3 can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction 
I love these wisdom statements in the Bible. Doesn't that just make sense? Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? <laughs> of course they can't. When you come into agreement, you come into understanding, then you can fix your eyes on the target or the desired outcome. I understand that people are going to come into this house, and this is actually part of our house where they're going to come and they're going to go. But while they are here, there's an expectation to be one that exchange healthy life and to communicate in a healthy way and to give love and validation. That's the expectation. That's what we're coming here and agreeing on. The deeper the relationship, the greater level of expression is required. You know, when, when Aaron and I, I don't even know if we were dating. I don't know. Uh, but we were kind of like, you know, feeling things out, you know. And I, w- I was too afraid to really say anything about it. But eventually I got the courage to. And this is what came out. So are you thinking what I'm thinking? And she's like, I don't know, what are you thinking? And eventually we got there, right? We have three kids now and a house and all that stuff. We couldn't have proceeded until we, we were on the same page, right? So whether it's a marriage covenant or a covenantal relationship based on calling, community, or shared vision, There is power in expressed agreement. What does that mean? It means when we talk about these things, like with the core values and the codes of conduct, it's important to express these things and not just be like, "Um, yeah, I agree, but I didn't say anything about it. You know? It's kind of like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I don't know. What are you thinking? Are we on the same page? What page are you on? Right? And I love what Katie says. She says, expression is more powerful than assumption. Well, I thought you were going to do this. I didn't think that. (laughs) Unexpressed expectations remain unfulfilled. Now, I'm talking about the context is this, this house, right? But there's other covenantal relationships that this really works for. Marriage, right? Maybe a partner in business. So this is really important to know. This is why it's really important to know the values, the vision, the code of conduct in the heart of this house. Because there cannot be true agreement in assumption. So... I just, I never talked about it, and it's not going to be real long, but let's just pull up some of the code of conducts. Do you have those back there? Do we have any uh, Jeopardy music? Okay. So the first one is, we are validating and encouraging in our communication. And this is how mom usually uh, uh, says it. We are a gossip-free zone. So this is, this is a, whoa, 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 wait a second. She's excited back there. All right, we're back there. All right. 
Oh, right up there it is. We are a gossip-free zone. Okay. In small print. Well, when you, well, I won't say that because we're encouraging in our communication. Uh, so this is, this is an aim. What, what are you doing? She's, you're amazing at this. Thank you so much. No, go back. I'm not done. See, this, this code of conduct is being um, challenged right now. Thank you. So this is our aim. Oh, my word. Can we get a, a, a relief picture back there, please? Um, this is our goal. This is our aim. So when we open our mouth in this culture, in this community, is it encouraging? Is it validating? Okay. Dear Jesus, I thank you for my wife. All right, go to the next one. Can you do that? All right, awesome. Leave it there. Don't touch it. The next one is we celebrate the unique God-given identity and purpose in each one. As mom likes to say, we are a no-prejudice-free zone. Or no... Yeah, we are a no prejudice... We're going to have some healthy communication after this is done, I think. All right, thank you. Well, I guess, so that is our aim. Can you put it up again? If you don't hit the button, it's not going to move, okay? All right, I guess, there it is. Okay, take the hands and pull them back from the, all right. So this is our goal. If there's communication coming out, out of our mouth, is it celebrating someone's identity and their purpose? And this is where it's, it's great because many of us don't think the same. Many of us don't think the same. I'm going to have, do I have to do this? All right. Many of us don't think the same. So that means that we're committed to communication, okay? The next one, we believe in systems and structures that foster health, growth, and safety. So that means we believe in having guidelines. If there's an opportunity for a platform, then there's guidelines that come with it so that there's safety in it. We believe in honoring one another and building trust. Say with me, everyone, everyone is, worthy is worthy of honor. When we, when, uh, when we first started this church, I was a pastor's kid. Obviously, I was in it. And really, it was a horrible environment for me, you know? It was. There was ex- huge expectations there was attack, verbal attacks, there was gossip, there was all this stuff. So this, this culture right now is something that we had to work on, right? But I was talking to my dad the other day, and I was thinking, I cannot think of one negative experience that my children have had in this church. Think about that. So it went from 
hell for a lot of years for me where I didn't want to be in ministry. I didn't want to be, have anything to do with God. And then obviously God got me on track, but to be at a place where I can say, I can't think of one situation where they can, a negative situation that they've experienced in this house. And that's because we were willing to deal with things and confront things and have a target, right? And have an aim. So if you're going to reap the full benefit of this house, you need to be committed to the values of this house. Why do we have these values and codes of conduct? For the mutual benefit of this church family so that we can exchange healthy life. So a covenant is a mutually bonding agreement between parties that contains both responsibilities as well as benefits. So what is the target? What is the agreement? To be healthy on an individual level as well as collectively. But it's also healthy not just in your body, but in your soul and healthy in your spirit. The whole package. So that was covenant as a noun. Thank you, Jesus. Covenant is also a verb, and this is how it's expressed. When you enter into covenant, there are actions, responsibilities associated with an agreement, promise, commitment. So you cannot truly have covenant until you have the agreement, which is the noun, and then covenant as a verb that we express it. We express that agreement. So for covenant to be fully realized, it requires both an agreement as well as, as the expression of that agreement. So let's go back to school again. Verbs express action. So one of the ways that they do that is a physical action. It would be to swim or to write or to climb. So there's no such thing as a covenant relationship without the expectation of responsibility. Jesus said, come and follow me, right? And the expectation would be that they would have to leave what they were doing, right? Let's look at that. Matthew 4.20. At once they left their nets and followed him. Luke 5, 11, so they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. You know, when we receive salvation through faith, we are entering into a covenant with our creator. Now, there's other covenantal responsibilities, but this is just one. James 2, 14, my dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good work to prove it? How could this faith, how could this kind of faith save anyone? Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, for by faith, the elders obtained a good report. So our faith, which cannot be seen, which is our target, right? should result in a tangible expression. So like we have these core values and these codes of conduct, see, that's the aim, right? It's the aim. 
but it, it demands a tangible expression. One of the great examples of a relational covenant is marriage, which is predicated on exchanging vows, which are expectations of responsibility. This is what I promise to do. And the deeper relationship, the greater the expectation. Let's say that again. The deeper the relationship, the greater the expectation. This is why many people are afraid of having deep, meaningful covenant relationships because they cost much, they require much, but the benefits and rewards outweigh the sacrifice. So verb can also be expressed as a mental action, meaning to think, to imagine, to consider. So covenant requires protection of our thought life. Good stuff, huh? Meaning that I have a responsibility to meditate on the good towards the person I am covenant, in covenant with. Amen. Come on. Like I said, that this is not just about this house. It's just anybody that you're in covenant with. Come on. When we are in covenant, we are committing to guarding our mind and our heart towards that person. If you want to strengthen the covenant the covenant relationship in your life, it begins with how you think about them. How many of you ever seen newlyweds? Kind of like when you've been married for a while, you're like looking at them and being like, my word, what happened to us? Uh, but when you first get married, you're cutting, you're making a salad and a little broccoli's on the cheek. And the spouse goes, oh, you got some broccoli on your cheek. Just let me get that for you. <laughs> Isn't that so cute? But there might be times of difficulty, and that same broccoli just irritates you. <laughs> You're like, well, they just get that broccoli off of their face right now. I can't stand it. Right? Listen, offenses and frustrations will come, but in covenant, I make the commitment to protect the thoughts I have towards you. Come on. There's no such thing as I woke up one day and we grew apart. I'm just a different person now. So if you're thinking negative thoughts towards your spouse, stop it. Stop it. If you're thinking negative thoughts about the people and the community that God has placed in your life, stop it. If you're blaming God, stop it. Because we're in covenant with our God. And part of our covenantal responsibility is to take every thought captive. Now, this is a little side thing, but I thought it was good. Your ability to honor someone has nothing to do with the other person. You know, sometimes I've, I've heard people say this. I might have said it. I don't know. They need to earn my respect. 
they need to be worthy of honor for me to honor them. When you dishonor, it reveals your character, not theirs. So here's my thought. Trust is earned, but honor is free. I'm going to say that again. Trust is earned. It's developed. You grow in it. But honor is free. Why is it free? Because what's on the inside of me? It has nothing to do with them. Are you following me? And what is faith? To see someone through the eyes of heaven. Why can I honor someone that is not acting in an honorable way? Because how I see them based on heaven. Like I said, we try to do it, right? It's not always easy, right? But that's the goal. You know, the truth is we forfeit our power so easily. Mike, have you, if any of you have kids, how many of you know that moment where you're in the other room and you're like, something's about ready to happen? You can just hear it. You can feel it. And so this happens often in my house. And like, don't let them play with lightsabers because, you know, there will be tears at some point. Uh, But what happens is they both come in, they're both crying, and then I say, what happened? And then sometimes they've kind of learned because I address it, but sometimes it would be, they made me do this. I say, wow, I didn't realize your sister had that much power over you. And they're like, well, I was like, wow, she's powerful. Wow. That she can actually control what you do. Hmm. And then, or Aiden would be like, well, no, no. And I said, well, who, who controls you? Well, I do. Oh, okay. Well, then take back your power. I think that's a good lesson for all of us, right? Yeah. Let's take back our power. Yep. And so I think... But the, like, my kids still do stuff like that, okay? But guess what? When they come, they know what's coming, so they, they're adjusting quicker. So what does this tell you? We can learn it. There you go. We can grow in it. Yeah. Or, like, there'll be times where I'm about ready. Yeah, I know. They're not more powerful. Okay, well, then fix it. <laughs> right? Who's going to clean out this mess, right? As Danny Silk would say. We fulfill our covenant when we honor someone in our thought life. So it's expressed as actions uh, in the physical. It's expressed in our thought life. But a verb can also be expressed as a state of being, meaning to be or to exist or to appear. Meaning, I am in covenant with da 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 da. So who you are flows from that relationship. Because I'm in covenant, guess what? My choices have become narrowed. Are you guys following me? Because I'm in covenant, opportunities that might have been available to me are now narrow 
because I'm in covenant with this person. Does this make sense? It commits us to a a process of relational growth. When you enter into covenant, you're no longer in a vacuum of you. It's we or us collectively. So let's go back. Covenant made simple. How do we do that in this house? What are we agreeing to in this house? That we exchange the very best of ourselves. Not only am I giving, but I'm receiving your very best. And healthy relationships produce trust, and trust produces intimacy, and intimacy is an exchange of life on a heart level. Covenant only works in agreement. Now, let me just clarify when I say this. I'm not saying that you'll always agree on every situation, but that you are in agreement that you're both committed to a healthy, loving, covenantal relationship. So what does that mean? I don't agree with them. I don't think like them. But I am committed to this person to speak in a loving way, to exchange life in a healthy way. That's our target. So when disagreement occurs, which it probably will, we stay firmly committed to the target. Are you guys following this? All right. So I want to give you a couple practical things. So how was life designed to flow to and from a kingdom community or a place of covenant? In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Say that with me. God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Do you see how life flows in a kingdom culture? So God designed it this way. What does God call, what does Scripture say the whole body of, well, I just gave you the answer, never mind. What does he call his people collectively? He calls us the body, right? What does he call us on an individual level? A vessel. So a vessel is to carry or transfer, receive, and distribute the life throughout the body. So this verse clearly charts out how the flow of life is in a kingdom culture. First is God of all comfort. So he's our source. So God is the original. He's the pattern, right? He's the source. And the kind of comfort and love and peace, joy that God offers can only be supplied by him. Some people may have a different opinion on this, but I believe that I don't choose love. I don't choose peace. I don't even choose joy. I choose connection. Do you see the difference? I'm going to choose to love you. I'm going to choose to get with God right now. I'm going to choose connection. And then out of that flows the fruit of his spirit. This is something that I can't manufacture or drum out. When was the last time you chose to have a peace that surpassed your understanding? Come on, choose it. Let's go. Well, you can't. 
it's a reflection of connection, right? It's something that I must receive through fellowship. How many of you have ever experienced earthly joy? Got a, yay. Oh, Chiefs, go Chiefs. Had to throw that one in there, right? Earthly earthly joy, there was a lot of joy. Um, But how many of you, well, what about count it all joy when you're faced with trials? What about that? I'm going to choose joy. Well, I believe that we choose uh, connection. And out of that comes the joy. Come on. So God has a monopoly on what he supplies. Nothing else can supply his fruits. Nothing else. Nothing else can supply it. So what's, what's the flow of life? Well, first it starts with the source. And then it goes on to say, who comforts us in our affliction. So we know when he pours himself out, his intent is to fill to overflowing. Without reading it, you can find that in Romans 15, 13, where it says, the overflow of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. John 4, 14, where it talks about a fountain of water springing up inside. So his, his intent is to give us more than we need. As we believe, as believers, we have continual access to a never-ending flow of kingdom life. So there's no reason why we should be dry. Because we have access to a well that never runs dry. Then it goes on to say, so that we may be able to comfort those. So how does it start? God is the source of all comfort. And then it goes on to say that comforts us. And then it finishes out by, so that we may be able to comfort those. Do you see how the flow of life works? I receive it from Father God. I am actually filled to overflowing. Let's say God only filled filled you the amount that you only need. Could you give it? Could you give it away if he only filled you to the amount that you needed? No, because you needed it. But what does God do? He actually fills you to overflowing. So this should challenge us in our time with the Lord. We get before God. God, I need help. I need wisdom. I need, you know, you're just, and God starts changing things and you're like, I feel better. And then we go. But I believe we need to stay until we are overflowing so that we can give to those around us. So I become the open conduit for kingdom life to flow from me. Thank you, Father. I have other stuff. You know, I'm getting better at skipping things. Thank you. And all of you can say amen to that. I, you know, that's fine. You can. Someone just fell over by the presence of the Lord. Oh, James is still there. Well, we didn't lose our cameraman. All right, really quickly. What are the guidelines or structure? Because we believe in healthy structures, right? For the exchange of life. What does a healthy kingdom community look like? A people that are committed to connecting to the source. How does this, how do all these things work? 
is that we are committed to connecting to the source of life. That is our commitment, right? And then we're also committed to, in then, man, I can't talk today. Then we're also committed to our connection with the people around us. And that we're all aiming for the same thing. So a healthy kingdom community can only be established when each of its members connect with the source of all life and in turn exchange that life with those around them. Do you see how this works? The members can never be, quote unquote members, the members can never be the substitute for the source. I can love, but I am not love. I'm going to say that again. I can love, but I am not love. Right? I can encourage, but I am not the source of all encouragement. What does it say? The God of all comfort. This can only work when there is an exchange of life. When this exchange flows properly, that life always leads back to the source. How do we know that this is working properly? Because when we interact with one another, it doesn't lead us to, wow, the only person that could ever pray for me is Loretta because she just prays these amazing prayers and I need her to do this for me. No. The connection is so that it leads us back to the source. Are you guys seeing this? Because guess what? There's only so many prayers Loretta can pray. Right? Loretta's like, no, I can pray all day and night. (laughs) So life goes in every direction. Remember, honor reflects your character. So where does it flow? We honor those that we're accountable to. We honor those that we're accountable for. And we honor those that we're accountable with. Do you see how that works? This process can only work when God doesn't give you what you need. He gives you more than enough. This is why people can't solely meet your needs. Because you were designed to have more than what you need. And you will suck the life out of someone if you think that they can meet your need. Come on, because there's only so much that we can give. Two ticks and what? No dog. That must be an old joke. It's just reality. They get ticked off. I tell you what, the jokes today are just amazing. All right. So the source is always God, but our responsibility as the body is to keep it flowing. I'm going to say that again. The source is always God, but it's our responsibility as the body to keep it flowing. I love what Benning, uh, is it Liebscher? Is that how you say his name? He's the leader of Jesus culture. But I love what he says. He says, My best isn't good enough. My best won't get me through. It takes the best of those that I'm in covenant with to make this work. 
And the truth is, covenant isn't, isn't always pretty and at times messy, but God designed it in this way. God has not called us to live in isolation. He called us to be part of his body. Amen. Ephesians four sixteen, He makes a whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does his own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. How many of you want to be a part of that? Yeah. Well, how do you do that? Your, your commitment is, stay, is staying connected to the source, and then your responsibility is to extend that life or exchange that life within the body. It's not only our connection with God that matures us and makes us healthy, full of life, fulfills destiny. It's our interaction and connection with his body, imperfect people that complete the process of love. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Could you just bow your heads? Thank you, Father. Lord, I just thank you for this truth. Lord, that we don't have to do it alone that you've actually made a way to receive life from those around us. And Lord, we just set our eyes on you, but we also look at the target that we've made and say, we're going to exchange healthy life. We're going to encourage and validate one another. We're going to build trust and give honor. Thank you, Father. So Lord, we just align our hearts with your word and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.